we are in week 17 of Ephesians. If this is your first time or maybe you haven't been here with us through this whole series, we've been going through Ephesians, I think, since August. Um, this book, if you have never read the Bible before, maybe this isn't the best place to start. But if you have and you're looking for a way to go deeper in your faith and understand what did, what did Jesus do for us, why is that important, what does that mean for me today, the book of Ephesians is a good place to start. And so that's why we've been here for this, uh, for this long. So here's just a quick recap of what we've been kind of talking about, the main points that gets us to where we are tonight. So we are to live as Christians, as people who have given their lives to Jesus as, as, as Christians, we are to live our lives worthy of the calling that we have received. And so that calling is to continually fall on the mercy of Jesus and allow his Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out, helping us to take off our old life and to put on that new life. That's what we talked about a few months ago. That part's going to be important. Paul says you haven't, that, that's the way that you learn about Jesus, to take off your old life and put on the new life. And then once that happens... As, after we give our life to Jesus, after we get rid of the old life and put on the new, then we begin to live that out. Our lives as followers of Jesus, our lives as Christians, should look different than the lives that we had in the past. The lives that we had before Jesus, they should look different. Your life should look different. Like instead, we don't lie, we don't cheat, we don't steal. Our words are encouraging and we are not sexually immoral. That's what Paul says in, in chapter 4. We walk in light. So our lives, everything that we do from the way that we think, the way we act, the way that we talk, everything that we do should now be characterized by Jesus. This is what Paul has been leading us into. But living the life that is pleasing to God, the, the, the life that we've been talking about, the life where we don't cheat anymore, we don't steal anymore, we only encourage, we walk in light, we walk in love, we're not sexual more. Living that light that is pleasing, that life that's pleasing to God, it is really hard today, and you guys know that. You guys know it's not easy just to allow God to transform you, and then you, all of a sudden you're a brand new person, and you're never going to do these bad things again. You guys know that, but I'm going to tell you it, it again. It's hard to live that way, and one of the reasons it's hard to live that way, and it's not easy to live like Jesus in the world, is because we have a real enemy that is opposing everything that we do for Jesus and his kingdom. Every decision, everything you do to want to become more like Jesus or to get closer to Jesus or to help ex extend his kingdom to bring more people to Jesus is being actively opposed by a spiritual enemy that we call the devil. Remember we talked about a few weeks ago about the three enemies of your soul. If you think, if you ever wondered like why is it so hard to want to be a Christian, to want to be like Jesus, why is it so hard to actually put this into practice? If it, it might give you a little bit more ease to let you know that there's three enemies that are hunting you down uh, to, to try to keep you from doing that. We talked about it a few months ago. That's the world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, that's just a word that talks about the society, the culture that is different from the way of Jesus. That's what you run into whenever you go to school. That's the music. That's TV shows. That's Netflix. That's everything that is, the, the world is living different than the way of Jesus. And then it's the flesh is the second enemy. The flesh is that part that's inside of us. That, that, okay, Siri, leave me alone. The flesh is that thing that's inside of us. That thing that, like, why do I just feel so much anger right now? Or why do I have such a desire to go to that website? Or why do I have that desire to talk about my friend behind the back? That's the flesh inside of us. And then the third enemy is the devil, and he uses the other two. 
or the, the devil's main attack is lies. So he lies and he makes us believe things that are wrong. And so he uses the, the, the flesh that we have. He says, it's okay to do those things that you want to do. It's okay to act on the things you want to do. And it's okay because everyone in the world's already doing it. So that's how all three of these enemies, they work together to keep you from following the way of Jesus. So Paul's final message for us, he's going to once and for all tell us how to defend ourselves against the attacks of the devil by relying on God's power so that we can actually live a life that is finally pleasing to God. That's how we got here. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, if you have your Bibles, you can go there. Um, but it's going to be on the screen behind me. Ephesians 6 says, finally... Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. So finally, he says, this is how he starts out, finally. This is the last part of Paul's message to the Ephesians. Um, but this is actually just part one of the last part. Uh, we're going to finish it next week. Um, so it's almost finally. So the title of this message is called Hardcore Demon Hunting 101. So you guys say that with me. Hardcore Demon Hunting 101. But not the way that you think. But it's not the way that you think. Like, we don't go hunt demons and stuff like that. Um, so it's hardcore demon hunting. Like We're going to learn how to do this. But it's not going to happen in the way that you think it happens. Because Paul, he lays it out for us. The very first step that Paul gives us is to rely on God's strength. Paul, he says in verse 10, he says, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. So the strength that it takes to resist the devil comes from Jesus, and it comes from Jesus alone. And so Jesus, as the Lord and as king, Jesus has ultimate authority in the universe. This is what Paul has been trying to get us to believe this whole time, is that the power that Jesus has. And so we get that power from Jesus. The strength that we get from Jesus, um, it's not to give us strength to, to battle. It's more relational that, than that. Like Jesus, like it's not like an ATM. Like we don't just like, okay, Jesus, I need some strength today so I can fight the enemy. And so you go and you swipe your card and he gives you the strength. That's not how that works. It's more relational than that. So think back to the playground days. Like you might be getting bullied. You might be getting messed with. And you, or you have this comparison. And you say, my dad's stronger than your dad. Like you guys ever did that? Anybody ever did that before? Like my dad's stronger than your dad. Or like you wouldn't believe all that kind of stuff. Why do we do that? Okay, you just cry. You call you dad? But have you guys ever heard that before? Like, like whenever you're like in first grade or second grade, like, oh, my dad's bigger than yours. My dad could beat up your dad, all that kind of stuff. What, like, why do we say that? Like, what's behind that? The thing that's behind that is don't mess with me because somebody stronger than me is going to back me up. Like, that's really what we're saying there in that moment. Like, don't mess with me because I have someone that's stronger than you, and they are on my side. And our dads, like, think about how, how they would give us power. Like, they wouldn't just, like, place a hand on us, and all of a sudden, like, we would just be filled with power so we can go beat up all the bullies. No, we had power because of our relationship with the one who was actually strong, with the one that was actually big. 
our relationship with them meant that we benefited from that. So even after we give our lives to Jesus, like we're not automatically stronger or powerful enough to resist the devil by ourselves. Our strength comes from our proximity to the one that is strong. Our strength comes by how close we are to the one that has the ultimate authority. That's how we have strength. That's how we have power to defeat the devil. It's by our relationship with Jesus, not by anything that we can do in inside of ourselves. And so it's through our relationship with the Jesus that was resurrected from the dead, the Jesus that ascended into the heavens, the closer we are to him, the more power we have to resist. But how the next question that we should have then is, okay, like we get power from Jesus. But the question we should have after that is, how do we actively get that strength? How do we get that power? How do we get that thing so that we can resist? Paul, he tells us in verse 11, he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. Putting on the full armor of God is that action of finding strength in God. That's the action step to put on the armor of God like you put on new clothing. Like that's the same kind of verb he, he says there. Uh, like put on something. When you put on your shirt, that's the same kind of wording, the same kind of verbiage, put on the full armor of God. And so the armor of God is not something that's mystical. It's not something that's weird or far off. Um, we'll hit on that next week, uh, what the armor of God is. It's truth, righteousness, the gospel, faith, salvation, the word of God, it's prayer. Uh, but what we should see here tonight is the connection that this verse has with that verse that we've been talking about for months now in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20, it says, Take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one that is created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity of truth. That's what we've been kind of talking about for the last few weeks. What does it look like to become a Christian? What does it look like to leave that old life behind? How do we take off our old self? How do we take off our sinful self? How do we put on the new self? Paul, he's finally telling us what that looks like. To put on the new self is the same thing as putting on the armor of God. Or you could even do the reverse of that. Putting on the armor of God is the same thing as putting on that new self that is created to look and become like Jesus, knowing the truth of who you are in our relationship with Jesus or knowing your identity in him, that and the power that he has, that is what it means to put on the armor of God. It's your identity with Jesus. Putting on the armor of God, it, it is your identity, it's you identifying with who you now are in Jesus, that you're no longer that old person. You're no longer the, the messed up person that, that did those bad things, that, that did the things that no one even knows about. Now you are made new. Now you are a new creation. Now you are starting to become and look like Jesus. And that's not a one-time thing. It's a continual process of, of putting on the identity, putting on the armor of God, putting on that ability to become more like Jesus. We have to stay close to Jesus and put on the armor of God daily so that we can stand against the schemes of the devil. The idea in Ephesians is that the devil is smart. Like, that's what Paul has been trying to get us to understand for months now. He even said it in chapter 2. Like, the idea that, that Paul is trying to get at is that the devil, he's not silly. Like, he's not goofy. Like, he's smart. Like, he's intelligent. Like, he carefully strategizes plans against God and against the church. 
and against us. Remember what Jesus said himself in John chapter 10. He says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. The devil, he, he works in ways that the ultimate goal is to still kill and to destroy. Now think about the other enemies of the soul, like the world. When you follow the ways of the world, when you just get formed in, you just get conformed, you just go with the flow, you just go with the crowd, the ultimate goal, the, the end goal of that is that you're stolen from, like your joy is stolen, your peace is stolen, you're killed and then you're destroyed. What happens whenever we follow the flesh? What happens when we just do whatever your heart desires? You're stolen from, your peace is stolen, your, your joy is stolen, and you're killed and you're destroyed. That's why the devil, he, he only comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. He uses those things against us. So what are the devil's schemes? And why don't we see them? Hey, 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 go back to that verse like, right before that one, Garrett. Put on the form of God so we can stand against the schemes of the devil. What are those schemes and why do we so easily miss them? It's because he works in places that we least expect. The places that you would least expect to be attacked spiritually is where the devil will attack. So go on to the next verse. In, in Ephesians chapter 12, Paul, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So wait a second. Paul, he's already talking about the devil. He already told us who the enemy was. So why is he like reiterating the fact that our struggle is against the devil? Like why is he saying like our, our struggle is actually against the devil, not against our friends, not against our family? He's already talking about this. It's because so often we find ourselves mad at our parents or our friends or the news or our enemies, and we think that we are actually fighting them. When someone says something mean or offensive, or does something wrong, we want to take it out on them. Like, you hurt me. You said this bad thing. You, you did this to me, and we want to get mad at them. We want to withdraw from them. We want to get back at them. But who's really at fault? Like, who's really the one that's, that's attacking you, that's offending you? It's not our parents, and it's not our friends, and it's not our enemies. I mean, sure, they have a part to play in that. Like, they have a flesh, too, and they're under attack and the influence of the devil, too. But ultimately, when you feel attacked, whenever you feel wrong, it comes from, it's against the cosmic powers of evil, is what Paul would say. It's against the devil. Now, think about it. The devil doesn't jump out, like, in a red costume with, like, horns and a tail, and, and like, tries to, like, attack you that way. Like, I, don't, I haven't decided yet if that would be, like, sillier or scarier. Like, if he actually attacked us that way, like, I haven't figured that part out yet. But, but he does it in subtle ways. Like, he doesn't just pop out and say, like, boo, I'm the devil, like you would see in, like, movies or something. No, he attacks in subtle ways. Listen to me now. This is getting serious. He attacks in your mind. He attacks in ways. He attacks in your feelings. He attacks in your heart. Our enemy is not the bullies, it's not the government, it's not your parents, it's not your old best friend, it's not even your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend, it's spiritual. So why does the devil try to deceive us in thinking that our struggle is with each other? Why does the devil try to deceive us to think our struggle is with the people that are sitting around us, the people that we go to church with? It's because he knows the power of the church in unity. 
He knows what, it, what the power has whenever you are in a Christian community. It is a lot harder to deceive someone who has accountability in a small group. It is a lot harder to trick somebody with a lie when they are around people that are pouring truth into them and are encouraging them to get into the truth. It is a lot harder to tempt somebody to go back to the old life, to do the things they used to do whenever they have a small group that is asking them every week, how, how did you feed your flesh this week? But if he can get you to turn against your Christian brothers or your sisters, if he can get you to turn against your Christian friends that are trying to keep you accountable, if he can get you to lose trust in those around you, if he can get you to isolate yourself, well, you know how the story goes. The lion always goes for the sheep that's off by itself rather than attacking the herd. He'd rather attack the sheep that's by itself rather than just the herd. That's why it's so important to stay close to Jesus, to keep relying on his strength, and to stay in the light with each other. I want you to take a close look right now at your heart tonight and how you feel with the people that are in this room. Think about people in this room. Maybe someone has hurt you. Maybe someone has, has, has deceived you. Maybe someone has lost your trust. If you have a disagreement, if you have tension with somebody that's in this room right now, that is from hell. That is not from them, although they probably have a part to play in that. But that's not from God. That's from the devil trying to distract us from the bigger mission that we have as Christians. And so for this reason, take up the whole armor of God. For this reason, it, it, it's bigger than you think. It, it works in smaller ways than you think. It's more serious than you think. So Paul, he says, for this reason, for this reason, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having to prepare everything to take your stand. We are in evil days right now. I said this before, I said this a couple weeks ago, like you don't have to turn, or you don't have to like look far or look hard to understand the world is not the way it's supposed to. You turn on the TV, you see all this crazy stuff happening. We're in evil days. You turn on your phone, you hear about the friend that's talking behind your back, you hear about the crazy things happening at school. We are in evil days. Truth is at an all-time low. Trust and love are at all-time lows. In the Bible, it warns us that the days are only going to get more evil and they're only going to get more darker as the day of Jesus gets closer. And let me promise you, the Bible says Jesus is coming back, but the days are going to get darker as the day that Jesus comes back gets closer. And the only thing that is going to bring evil and pain and death to an end is whenever Jesus finally comes back and he establishes his kingdom and his rule and his authority on earth the way that it was meant to be. And that day is coming. And the Bible says that there will be signs and it could come soon. But until then, Satan and his forces, they will continue to scheme and strategize on how to stop God's plan and how to stop the church and how to torment our lives. And think about it. If we only prepare once the battle starts, then it's already too late. You can't prepare for something after it starts. That's why it's so important to prepare now. That's why it's so important to find strength in God to now. And so as Christians, it's not a matter of if or when we find attack from the devil. Or it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Like if you've been tempted as a Christian, if you've been tempted to go back to the old life, or if you've been tempted to lie or cheat or steal, if you've been tempted to sin, then you have already been attacked. 
And it, like I said before, it doesn't happen in ways that you see in movies or TV shows. Like you're probably not going to see, like when you think about demonic attacks or attacks from the enemy, you're probably not going to see like someone that's levitating or doing all this crazy stuff. It happens in more subtle ways than that. They're more dangerous than that, actually. The, the way the enemy attacks us is more dangerous because they go unnoticed whenever we're not prepared. The, the devil, he's intelligent, and he'll attack you with the right move, the right time, whenever we don't see it coming. That's why it's so important to grow deeper in your knowledge of God and to practice depending on God and his power. That's why it's so important that you're here in this church right now. That's why it's so important that you have that Bible app on your phone. That's why it's so important that you bring your Bible to church. That's why it's so important that you come and you are in small groups and you, you allow people to speak into you. That's why it's so important to grow in your relationship with God because that is how we prepare. And the reason we prepare, the goal and the end of this, Paul says, is so that we can stand. So that whenever it's all said, so that we can stand, so that we can resist, so that at the end of the day that we are standing and so that we can take this good news into back into enemy territory. So if the band will go ahead and come back. That's how we prepare. So my question is like, how, how do we do that in practice? Like how do we prepare? How do we win? How do we fight back? It goes back to that title, Hardcore Demon Hunting 101. How do we actually fight back? How do we actually resist? It's different than you think. James, he says in chapter 4, uh, James chapter 4, verse 7, this is how you fight back, by the way. Like, this is, this is how you fight. He says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So the first thing the Bible says is to resist. We don't win by fighting. Like we don't cast anything out. As Christians, the way that we win is that we resist the devil, and then he says he will flee. The devil, it, it, he's, he's scared. Like He's more scared than we think. Like The more that we rely on Jesus, the more scared he is. He knows how strong our Father is. He knows just how much power and authority God has. And so the closer we are to God, the closer we get to him, the more he's like, okay, I need to back off. How do we win? We resist. We resist. We believe the truth that's over the lies. When he comes in with a lie, he says, hey, you can't trust that person. Hey, you need to do this thing instead of that. Hey, you need to, like, you don't need to go to church anymore. You don't need to do this. You don't need to believe the Bible. When he comes in with a lie, we believe the truth. Or when he says, hey, you need to worry about what's going on in your life right now. Hey, you need to worry about this. Hey, you, you're, you're never gonna be good enough to be accepted by God. Hey, you're not gonna be pretty enough. Hey, you're not gonna be athletic enough. You're never gonna measure up. When he comes in with the lies that make us feel like we doubt, we come back with truth. We choose forgiveness over bitterness. When he comes in and he's like, hey, you need to not forgive that person. He wrongs you, you're justified to Get that person out of your life. You're justified to, to leave him alone. You're justified to let him go off and get eaten by the sharks. We choose forgiveness over bitterness. We choose love over hate. We choose purity over the flesh. That's how we resist. We follow the way of Jesus. And then the next thing he says, we resist and then we draw near. We resist by getting closer to God. 
by relying on his strength, by saying no to your past life, by taking that off and literally putting on the new life, which is also putting on the whole armor of God. The armor of God is the defensive mechanism. That's how we resist. That's how we win. That's how at the end of this is all over, when Jesus is back or we're standing in his presence, we're able to stand. We're able to say, like, Jesus, I, I, I defended. Like, Jesus, I'm, I'm here now because we relied on his strength. That's how that works. And so we can actually draw near to God, not because of anything good that we did, but we can draw near to God because of what Jesus did for us. Like, we think, just think about how all this works. Like, why does, like, I never even met the devil. Why does he want to attack me? Like, I, I don't even know who he is. I don't even know what's going on. I, I, all I know is I just want to be happy. All I know is I just don't want things to be hard anymore. All I know is I don't want this pain. I don't want this sadness. I, I don't, I just want to be happy. Like, you know, I just want things to go right in the world. Like, why does all these bad things happen? Think about that. What does God want for you? God wants you to be made new. He wants you to be made whole. He wants those things for you as well. And so he made that way for that to be possible. And so the devil, he's like, he doesn't want you to find those things. Instead, he gives you temporary fixes. He gives you temporary hopes. He gives you temporary satisfactions. He says, try this. This will make you happy. Try this. This will fix your life. Hey, try this. This will put everything back in the order. But at the end of the day, if we try that, we know it fails. But God, he says, I gave you the solution." We can draw near to God. We can resist the devil because Jesus paid the way for us. He died on the the cross in a place that we deserve. He bore our sins. He bore our sin and our shame and our guilt so that we can be made new. By ourselves, we are broken. By ourselves, we are sinful. By ourselves, we don't know how to defend against the attacks. We just let them come. We have no hope of getting to God on our own. But when Jesus died for us, he opened a way for us to get back to God. He opened that way for us to get that presence. So with every head bowed and every eye closed,